This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check. Let's see how this sounds. What the fuck? I want this shit light. Are you serious? I just filled this lighter. I'm not giving up. 2020, the year of not giving up. Son of a bitch. Hey! Woo! See? Got that shit lit, didn't I? 2020. Shit is lit! Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal... Look, well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's gonna get dirty. You might cry. You probably laugh. Hopefully, you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. I talk about my dog sometimes. Each week, it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's gonna be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. It is the eve of 2020. It's about to be 2020, y'all. This is a sharp tongue podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae. As you heard earlier, I successfully got high. (laughs) Took a minute. Took a minute to figure it out. But I did it. I was able to spark her up and get shit lit. Because it's about to be a new decade. New you, new me, new weed, new goals. Let's do it. I'm going to spark up again. Let's see how long this takes. Oh, fuck. There we go. That was a little bit better. So the first first order of business is to get a new lighter in 2020. <laughs> it's my favorite lighter. I love this lighter. I got it on a road trip at some rest stop, some Native American rest stop in Arizona where they have all these amazing Native American arts and crafts. And then 
lighters in the shapes of shotguns. How could I say no? But apparently I should have because this fucker doesn't work. It's just a novelty item. Idle? It's just a novelty item. How is everybody doing? It's about to be a new year. Do you have new goals? Are you going to change? Are you going to stay the same? Are you going to continue to blame people? What are we doing? What are we doing with our new year? It's, I mean, resolutions, I feel like people go too big with them. They, you know, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. How about just start with one pound? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build an empire. How about you just return an email? Why don't we do smaller resolutions? Those are the ones that get you to the larger goals. I think it's good to have an end, end game to know where you want to go. Otherwise, you're just a ship sailing in the ocean with no damn direction. How are you going to get somewhere if you don't know where you're going? Put a goal in front of you. For me, getting that special filmed, 2020, getting my script finished about um, my father and everything that I dealt with in that year. The treatment is all done. I sent that in before the holidays to the movie production company. So we're, it's all underway. And to continue to grow and have fun with this podcast. Those are my goals. Those are my main career goals. You know, my personal goals to keep myself open and available and willing to give love. That's a tough one. It's a tough one for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, don't re- they don't realize that's their core problem. They think that they just keep dating assholes or they think that they just keep dating emotionally unavailable people. No, it's you. It goes back to you. It's all about you and, and what you experience. So for me, keep myself open to love, to lead with love, to not, to not let anger be an emotion that dictates my decisions. Anger's useful. Don't get me wrong. Anger's a useful bitch. You know, it wouldn't be something we felt if it didn't serve a purpose. But it's up to you to decide what purpose it's going to serve. And for me, it's going to make, you know, me get food faster. Because usually that's why I'm angry. (laughs) Nine times out of ten, I'm a cunt because I didn't have a sandwich. Okay? uh, uh, This is science. This is science. For everybody out there. Men listening, (laughs) 9.910. 9.9 times out of 10, your girl's a bitch because she hasn't had a sandwich. And that is science. And girls, you know it. Nature, she does that on purpose, you know, because we're responsible for lives. So we got to be fed. We need to be taken care of. We need nourishment. (laughs) And when we don't get it, you think it's a, a coincidence that we turn into evil women? Who wants to deal with an evil woman? Nobody. That's why you need to feed her. We're not evil. We're just hungry. So that's how I'm deal- dealing with my anger in 2020. I'm, I'm going to get a sandwich quicker. <laughs> Bitches, you know what you need to do? You need to make goals and pack snacks so you don't burn people in the in the wake. So there's not a you know, a whole path of a fiery crimson evidence of your rage passing through an area. California wildfires caught by, uh, caused by hungry bitches. (laughs) All the fires along the coast of California caused by bitches who haven't been fed yet. Okay. 
So get out there. Forget feeding the homeless. Feed the hungry bitches. <laughs> if she's homeless and she's a woman, you better get her a prime rib. Okay? Yeah. There's, there, there's a theory that homeless people are causing the fires out here in California, but it's only the, the hungry women. That's it. Whether they have a home or not, they're burning shit. Okay, so that's another goal, to manage your anger. <laughs> another personal goal of mine, to have more fun. I know it seems like I have so much fun. I do have a lot of fun. But to have more fun doing mundane things. I think we forget to enjoy the moment. I think the moment is all we got. As cliche as that sounds, that's it. We don't know what's going to happen next. And you can't pine over what happened yesterday. You got to have more fun in the moment. And, and while you can still plan for, you know, vacations and special events and birthdays and anniversaries and all those calendar type holidays and, and celebrations, I think waking up and opening your eyes and seeing you have another day to achieve something should be celebrated. So that's another personal goal of mine. I tend to like to live in the moment. I'm a very spontaneous, impulsive individual, which is good and bad. Impulsivity can lead to great creative and spontaneous ideas, but it also can be a distraction to executing those ideas. So I've learned through practicing and, and educating myself and surrounding myself with successful people how to how to sort of organize all that. But sometimes, you know, a bitch just wants to get high, put on some roller skates, and go skate into 1990s hip-hop with Jaleel White, and she'll do that, a.k.a. Steve Urkel. Shout out to Jaleel. We had a great time a couple weeks ago. We went, him and his girl, me and my man, we, we put on some roller skates, two-by-twos. None of this inline skating bullshit. We put on two-by-twos. Yes, we did. Yes, sir. And we went skating out here in California, and had a great time. Great time. I love him. Uh, he's, he's a great dude. He's, he's been a, a good friend, and uh, we had a good time just putting on our skates and, and carpe DMing the shit out of that, okay? <laughs> so live in the moment a little bit. Figure out how to use your natural inclinations and personality traits to your advantage. That could be a goal. Another personal goal of mine, to give less of a fuck. And I don't mean like in a negative way. I mean to not care what someone says about me, to not care or let somebody else's negativity poison my energy, to not give a fuck if I look weird. I, I, I want to look weird. I want to look goofy. I want to feel goofy. Who gives a shit? We need to be more wild. We need to unleash the beast a little bit in 2020. It could be the last one. We don't know. We don't know. I feel like I did that this year, though. I feel like I, you know, figured out how to sort of live a little bit more ferociously, if you will. I fucking love that word, ferocious. <laughs> I had to. It was the first year without my dad. First year. Without a dad. You know how fucking weird that is? It's weird on so many levels. Just on an existential level, it makes you realize your mortality and it makes you a little freaked out. And that's a selfish response, but it's a realistic human one where you're like, oh, fuck, all this ends. What am I doing with my life? Not that I have any regrets, but it's a, it can be a motivating factor when you lose somebody. 
It, it either motivates you or it stops you. People either become a victim to their grief or they become a victor. You know, they figure out how to, how to overcome it. And I've become both, honestly. Lately, I'm, I'm good, but it's okay to, to sort of weave in and out of both of those, but you have to figure out how to overcome it. And to, to not have a dad anymore? What the fuck? I didn't sign up for this shit. Hold on, Carlin's barking. Carlin, enough with the shit. I'm trying to get sentimental on the podcast. I'm talking about your grandpa, and he wouldn't appreciate it right now, would he, Carlin? It's weird to not have a dad anymore. And that's the thing about loss, you know. I started this year without a dad. And then you sort of realize you have to learn how to live without somebody. But then you learn, I learned that I just had to have a different relationship with him. I was just living with him in a different context. I was just living with him in a different capacity and a different realm. Just because someone passes away doesn't mean they leave your life. They just exist in it in a different way. And you have to find out for yourself how to continue that relationship. And for me, it's, that's been this whole, the struggle for the whole year is because him and I were so close because he was, he was my dude, you know? Maybe you guys have that relationship with your mom. Maybe you have that relationship with your auntie or your grandmama or your nana or your papa, whatever you call them. Maybe you have a relationship with somebody in your life where that, that's your dude or that's your woman. And, and you, have to, you have to figure out how to exist without them in that capacity. And that's a humbling son of a bitch, man. Woo! It's a humbling son of a bitch. So I just had to, I had to alter how he was in my life. And I'm not saying I've got it figured out. You guys know if you've listened to this podcast, I've given you tricks and tips and advice on how to sort of deal with grief compared to my experience and my trials and tribulations trying to weave it in and out of, of my daily life, my personal life, my career life, and how to not fall the fuck apart, you know? Like many of you, I come from a family of all sorts of people, and there's some addicts in my family. I could have gone down that route. I could have hit the sauce every day. I'm not saying a girl didn't have a little day wine every now and then. Yes, I did. But I didn't beat anybody up, get into a car, or cause any havoc, you know? Sure, a couple personal tidal waves probably rolled around in my emotional ocean, but I didn't cause a tsunami. (laughs) I don't think. If I did, I apologize. (laughs) If I did, I fucking apologize. I just lost the joint on the carpet. That's the only way you can die, by the way, if you smoke weed, is if you burn your goddamn house down. Please don't do that. Especially if you live in an apartment complex. It's just irresponsible. And I'm talking to myself. Where we go? Joey Diaz would be proud of me taking my time to smoke my weed. So it's been an interesting year learning how to reassociate my father into my life while he's physically gone. Maybe he astral projected somewhere. You know, maybe he, maybe, maybe this motherfucker's in a casino someplace and that's why I haven't seen him. <laughs> in a cosmic casino. You know, because someone like me, if, if 
someone passes away in your life and you're like me, I love horror movies. I love every type of horror movie. So you know I'm like, yo, is my dad ghost around? And I've talked about it. Like, where's my dad ghost? Where is this motherfucker? Haven't seen him, haven't heard him, haven't smelled him. Because if my dad was a ghost, you wouldn't hear him. You'd smell his ass first. It'd be definitely a ghost fart creeping up in your olfactory. I'll tell you that much. You know, is that the pit bull? No, that's Joey P. (laughs) You won't hear rattling chains. You'll hear a wet shart. Dad's here. (laughs) Dad arrived. It's been an interesting year, man. And, And just sort of figuring out how to grow my relationship with my father. How do you grow a relationship with the deceased? Well, it takes a lot of fucking work. It takes a lot of reminiscing and and nostalgia, which is so painful. Nostalgia is so painful, isn't it? It, Sometimes it's fun to reminisce with your friends. You know, when you reminisce with your, like, high school friends and even your sisters or brothers, that's fun. Like, remember when we used to, you know, my sister and I used to love to reminisce about this story when I was doing homework in my bedroom, which shared a wall with her bedroom. Actually, flip that and reverse it. She was doing homework in her room because she was the collegiate academic one. And I was the one recording my voice on the tape cassette player because I was sure I was going to be a famous radio DJ. That, that was my aspiration as a child. I wanted to be a babysitter and a radio DJ. So I'm literally, I remember this day. I was doing choreography to Michael Jackson's Thriller album in my bedroom. It was probably like, I don't know, 11 a.m., and my sister was studying algebra. Uh, she was like five because she was a nerd. I, you know, I don't know. She was studying some, you know, to get into college. I want to get into college. So I was loud. I was, you know, hitting all the moves. Uh, the music was blasted. Emily, instead of coming into my room and communicating with me like a human being, she does a karate kid kick into her wall to make me shut up. And she kicks through the the sheetrock. (laughs) This bitch kicked through the sheetrock on her wall. Kicked a hole in her wall. I didn't even hear it. (laughs) That's the best fucking part. I didn't even hear it happen. This bitch ruined... She reconstructed her room and I was still in the middle of a thriller. It's a thriller. And, the, and she came in screaming, didn't you hear me? I was like, no. My mom came upstairs. My sister kicked a huge hole in the wall. She kicked it high. I was very impressed with the dexterity in her hips and her hip flexors because she got up there. You know, this was like a MMA style karate chop. Move over, Ronda Rousey. Emily Peluso's in the building. And she's pissed because she can't get her algebra homework done so she can get into Ithaca College. (laughs) So, you know, we didn't have all the money in the world. My mom wasn't too worried about fixing it. So we just kept the hole there for a few weeks. (laughs) We kept it there, you know? Kept it there. And then my my mom's attempt to fix it She put clear tape over it. She taped it up. Taped it up like it was a Christmas present, but with clear tape. So you could still see the hole. You just couldn't get into it. Well, a human couldn't get into it, but unbeknownst to us, my mom had taped the family cat inside of the wall. (laughs) 
got all the soldiers, people. <laughs> oh my god, I'm crying. Oh, she take the fucking cat in the wall. <laughs> Can you believe that? And it was an outdoor cat. Let me tell you, cats can survive for a while without food and water. We figured that out. The cat survived. Don't worry. <laughs> Jasmine survived. <laughs> the only, and you know, when you have an outdoor cat, you're not too worried about him. You're not too worried about him. She was in and out on her own. We had a cat door. We didn't check up on her. One day, my sisters wall me out and. <laughs> <laughs> to find the fucking cat because the wall me out <laughs> oh my god I'm sweating oh god I'm laughing so hard that my body temperature changed <laughs> the cat the cat was rescued a little malnourished I will say you know but it was the 80s people weren't quite tossing paint. PETA wasn't as hot as it was now, so we didn't get in trouble. Luckily, none of us had a, you know, local position in politics or nobody was a famous influencer at the time, so we didn't get in trouble for any sort of neglect. If anything, we could have used a little bit of remodeling help. You know, I blame it on the economy. We didn't have enough money to fix the wall, so the economy did this to the cat, not us. <laughs> Then my mom decided to fix the wall, finally, after the cat almost died inside of it. And everyone lived... <laughs> everyone lived happily ever after. <laughs> you know, so not all nostalgia is painful. That's the whole point. Sometimes it's nice to reminisce. But that's a great way, back to my original point. <laughs> it's a great way to kill the cat. No... It's a great way to maintain your relationship with somebody who's passed away. Reminiscing, go through photos. And honestly, the biggest disservice you can do to yourself is to avoid feeling sad. I think in society, we've sort of made feeling sadness an illness. You know, a lot of more, a lot more people are being prescribed medication. I'm not saying it's because you're sad. Depression's real. But we haven't really, as a culture or society, embraced alternative ways to deal with <clears throat> sadness, depression. The pharmaceutical route has been the more popular approach. And those cause side effects, side effects which cause you to need more medication to to counteract the side effects that the previous medication has caused and then you're on another pill and then and, the, and it's a vicious cycle i'm here to tell you to embrace the sadness to sit through it a little bit well some people can benefit from medication i'm not saying that depression can be cured by taking a walk all i'm asking is to implement an alternative approach into your regimen to deal with sadness depression and let me tell you if you're already prone to depression and you go through something traumatic 
please take care of yourself. <clears throat> For me, I sat in the sadness. You know, looking through photos, I, f I forced myself, and I still do. My dad's photos are all over this apartment. They were before, and I put up more after he passed away because I was afraid because he passed away from Alzheimer's. I was like, I, I just kept getting scared about forgetting shit, and I didn't want to forget him. That happens sometimes, especially when younger kids lose their parents. I just didn't want to forget the motherfucker. And also, I know the value of sadness. Sadness provides a little perspective, appreciation, pause. Um, it allows you to appreciate what you've experienced and the love you had. <clears throat> I'm still thinking about that cat inside the wall. <laughs> that was my dad's cat. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry we did that to Jasmine. She was a fucking bitch, though. Mm-hmm. She was a bitch. But I've allowed myself to really feel the root of sadness and grief and, and to sit in that and to realize that it's okay, that that's a part of the path to getting to happiness. Happiness is a moment. It's a fleeting emotion. And sadness is a part of that emotion. How would we know the opposite if we didn't have the other? So... A part of my ability to maintain my relationship with my father has been the result of me allowing myself to feel an emotion that society has deemed an illness and has deemed something that you need medication for. I don't think you need medication for it all the time. I think you just need to fucking feel it and realize that it's a, an invaluable aspect and emotion for human beings to experience, to understand what they have and the value of life. You know, um, damn, this is some good weed. <laughs> but I still struggle, y'all. Anybody out there in the Dead Dads Club, I still struggle. I'm not saying I figured it all out. I, and I talk to the motherfucker. I talk to him all the time. Sometimes I argue with him. I get pissed. I get pissed that he left me. I get pissed that he hasn't really visited me yet. A couple dreams. You know, a couple dreams he's popped in. Right, right when he, around the time he passed away. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. He popped into a dream. And it was a weird dream. I was in this room. It looked like a green room. Which makes sense because that's where I spend... 75% of my time is in green rooms for TV shows, road work, um, you know, all sorts of appearances, whatever. I'm in a green room. And this dream, I was like in this green room by myself, and there was a door in front of me, and it was open, but the other side of the door was just a black, vast nothing. It was just, the door kind of, it, it didn't look like just a black, matte black flat, thing it looked like an expanse like like the universe without stars like you could it looked like it had depth and then my dad just sort of slowly appeared out of it and it wasn't an ominous feeling it wasn't a scary feeling it just felt otherworldly felt like I didn't know what it was and I had a little bit of a fear only because of the unknowing aspect of it and my dad just sort of 
he appears, you know, he just comes, he just comes out of this vast expanse, he materializes out of nothing, and he looks so calm, and it felt so tangible. You ever have those dreams where it just felt so, so real? Beyond real, it felt tangible. It felt a part of you. That's what this felt like. And he just smiled, and he said he was okay. And he said he was with Grandma Doris, who was his stepmom who basically raised him. And she was there, and she looked happy. And my Grandma Doris was alive at the time, but shortly after this dream, like a week later, she passed away, which is strange. But did he visit me? I I don't know. Does that mean something? I don't know. I believe it was him sort of visiting me. That's what I believe. And I guess belief is all you need. Belief can be your truth. So, you know, it's only been a couple things like that. And then I've had a couple nightmares about it. But in my mind, because of loving horror movies, and my dad and I loved horror movies, that's what we watched together. In my mind, because I've always been so intrigued by ghosts and the other realm and all that, I'm like, where the fuck are you? So I talk to him all the time. I'm like, where the fuck are you? Who? Why did you fucking leave, you bastard? We had a lot more shit to do. A lot more shit to do. And so, you know, I've continued to talk to him like he's here. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not the only person doing that. And that's not crazy. That's survival. That's coping. Talk to the motherfuckers. <clears throat> I'll talk to this son of a bitch all the time. Like, where are you? That's, that, that, that's, that's a completely normal thing to do. And now I realize when I see people talking to themselves, I used to think we're crazy. Maybe they're just having a conversation with their deceased loved ones. <laughs> you know, maybe they're just talking to somebody that they loved who passed away, having an argument in the grocery store over the kumquats. This lady's crazy. No, she's talking to her dead husband who's still pissing her off. <laughs> Even in death, you can't escape the perils of marriage. <laughs> but it can be difficult. And sometimes the other side of going through this shit, going through your first year without your loved one, is you don't know how you're going to react. You don't know how you're going to deal with certain situations. You think you can handle more than you can. And, and your friends sort of give you the liberty to kind of act out a little bit because it's totally normal. It's expected. You're, you're not quite yourself. You're learning how to be this new person without one of the most important people in your life. That, that's what I experienced. I was learning to exist in a realm without him. And, it, and it, it, you really go through the emotions of anger and desperation and bargaining and, and acceptance and all, all those, you know, grieving processes. You go through them. And each time you go through them, something new can happen. Like, you might not be the greatest friend and it's not anything personal, but you don't know how to because your capacity for love has evolved into this space where there's this huge void and you have to figure out how to compensate for it. It's fucking confusing. And while there are books and, and podcasts and TED Talks and so many things in literature and, and endless ways and mediums to sort of read about coping with death and grief 
no one can prepare you for your own experience, your own personal journey through that. Because we're all different. We all experience it differently. And so I'm sure there were times where I was not always there for my friends. But I'm lucky that I have amazing people in my life who rallied around me and protected me in a sense. You know, my man, my, you know, Chris McClure and um, Leo Flowers, Josh Wolf, Justin Martindale, even like Rogan and Diaz and all these, all these amazing people that I have in my life who provided me with relief, comic relief and emotional relief and support regardless of how I was acting or what I was saying or what I was doing. And there's one particular time where I was invited to go to Kelsey Cook's wedding. Kelsey Cook is an amazing comedian friend of mine. She has a dope podcast called The Self-Helpless Podcast. And her and her other co-hosts read self-help books and sort of get into them and, and, and divulge how it helped them or didn't help them. And I've known, Kel- I've known Kelsey for years. We first met when she opened for me years ago, and she's since gone on to do all you know great things in her career. She's got Wrist of Fury with all things comedy and all that stuff. She invited me to her wedding, and I accepted the invitation, and I fully planned to go up to the night before. But I didn't consider, because I had not yet been to a wedding. This was in the summer this past year, 2019. I didn't consider the emotional roller coaster that I might experience going to a wedding, seeing a girl being walked down the aisle by her parents and realizing that I won't have that with my dad. And I had a complete panic attack thinking about how that would make me feel in the moment because the wedding is all about them. And I was for sure afraid that I would have some terrible, like (laughs) reactive movie moment where she's walking down the aisle and, and I just, I'm just bawling my eyes out. Like, not like cute, like, Oh my God, this is so emotional. Like, Oh my God, I'm never going to fucking have this. (laughs) And that's a real fucking emotion. That's a real thing. And that's, that's been the two, the two hardest aspects of losing my dad for me have been the reality that he won't walk me down the aisle if and when I get married and he won't see my child being born. He won't be able to hold my baby. So those two things are a little fucking painful to deal with. And that's why grief is such a bitch. She hits you with these hard balls and you don't, you don't even think about them. You're not even considering them until they're right in your fucking face. And you're like, oh, shit. Well, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> so I, I didn't go to her wedding. I didn't go. I decided that day I just couldn't get myself prepared emotionally, physically, to be able to not have an existential crisis. So that's okay. And I've... I've excused myself from that. And that's a part of going through this shit is you don't know how you're going to react. You don't know things that are going to trigger you. Yo, the triggers, Ooh, the grief triggers, Ooh, they come right up. They come right up. You ever get that like sharp pain in your asshole and you clench your butt cheek and your legs and it, it feels like a Charlie horse in your ass 
right up your asshole. You ever get one of those? That's what grief triggers feel like, except you're, you know, at Sephora. (laughs) And the color red triggered you (laughs) because it reminded you of pizza and it was your dad's favorite food. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. But navigating through it is a totally normal process and having friends who understand it is a blessing. A blessing! It's been a fucking blessing to have people who sort of can understand what you're going through and allow you, you gotta, you just, they gotta allow you to just let it fucking flow. Now, it doesn't mean you can take advantage of your friends, but you just, they need to allow you some space. And I was lucky enough to have my friends allow me some space, but also get up in my space and hug me and shower me with love. Tequila, weed, there was a lot of tequila and weed. Whoo! Still is. What am I talking about? Can't get through the holidays without a little tequila and weed. Shit, I can't get through Monday without a little tequila and weed. (laughs) Forget Christmas. It's Tuesday, you know? It is Tuesday. What the fuck? Here we go. It's getting closer and better. It's Tuesday. It's Chris. It's New Year's Eve. (laughs) It's Christmas Eve. It is Tuesday. It's Christmas Eve. Man. And finding your path through healing, whatever you're healing from, grief, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, going through divorce, whatever you're healing from, it's your path. But just know you've got ways to get through that shit. And for me, man, I'm still navigating it, still navigating it. I have moments where I break down. I just lose it. And I'm in a fetal position on my carpet next to a fresh pee stain from Chaplin, and I'm like, son of a bitch. And then you've got to clean your dog's piss through your grief tears. (laughs) That's humbling. That happened last night. (laughs) You know? And and amidst all of this, amidst just trying to deal with experiencing the first year of, of life without my dad or the first year of life within this new realm in my father and I's relationship where he is deceased and I have to find ways to keep him in my life. I'm also working, you know, I'm, I'm touring, I'm, I'm doing appearances and TV shows and, and shooting pilots and working on the podcast. You know, this past year was insane. I did the Facebook gig where I took over confetti a few times for, for JD Witherspoon, who also recently lost his father. Shout out to JD Witherspoon. I've, I've messaged him. We spoke and, um, he lost his father recently as well. You know, I, I had a crazy year. I, I did Facebook. I did a, Jup- a Japan-USO tour. Um, uh, you guys remember uh, I got to meet Too Short. You guys remember that fun? <laughs> Do you remember that fun moment where I got to meet Too Short? Well, I got to meet Too Short because Katie, who often creates uh, amazing content for my podcast... I have, she created this, I should just play it for you guys and you'll understand why I meant Too Short. You might already know this, but I went on Too Short's podcast because of this thing that Katie made. Now that whistle noise is my laugh. <laughs> 
laugh, but the laugh that I have somehow has come out of my body this year, it's probably a grief laugh, where it sounds like it's a mixture of emphysema and dragon and a sprinkling of Sasquatch and heat. That's what it sounds like. Now, now that you know that, listen to it again. And, and the whistle part is my laugh. If you've listened to this podcast, you've heard it before. Katie has made a couple different variations of making fun of my horn laugh. Uh, so, you know, I got to meet too short because of that. Look, if you want to create something, create it. You never know what's going to take you. Keep creating. Whether it's a f- video like that. See that video, because she was so creative, got me the opportunity to go meet too short. And I had a great time. I met him and Kevin Blatt, who's, you know, an uh, amazing dude, does a lot of PR work and is just a cool dude, and uh, who's also experiencing some dementia stuff. It just, it, oh, anytime you do something, it's going to, especially if it's something you love to do and brings joy, it's going to open up all these other doors and opportunities to meet people who are going through what you're going through. But that was, you know, I had that. That was a fun time throughout the year. I shot, uh, I did the USO tour, told you guys, went to Japan, I, I got home and did that pilot um, for E Network. The show ended up not going, but I got E. coli and learned how to work through E. coli filming a TV show <laughs> in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, I was lucky enough to go on my friend Joe Rogan's podcast, which was such an honor and a delight. I love him. I What else happened? I shot, uh, cr- shot and uh, was a host of a top golf game show a few times, um, Game Changer, which plays at all the top golfs across the country. I took my mom to Sequoia National Park and she almost died because of the incline. <laughs> True story. It's this gradual, when you go to Sequoia National Park, they've got um, General Sherman's tree there, which is one of the tallest trees, Sequoias, in in the world, I think. Um, and to get to it, there's this gradual decline. And it's just a little degrading. Not like, you know, your ex-boyfriend. It's actual degrade. And <laughs> it, it's, it takes a... You don't think about it going down because you're so excited to see the tree. You don't consider the path coming back up. And my mom's, you know in her early 70s. She looks amazing and she's very fit. She goes to the gym and she's very, she's full of life, but she also recently had, you know, some heart stuff going on and she's got CPD, pulmonary, uh, chronic pulmonary disease, which makes it hard for her to breathe. (laughs) And I'm like, let's go hiking in Sequoia National Park. And the General Sherman tree, it's like the world's tallest tree. It's like 280 feet tall, something like that. And it's like 36 feet wide at the base. It's, it's huge. It's, it's like, it's so, so big and it's really old and it's just kind of cool to see when you get up, when you get up to it, you realize how small you are and how insignificant everything is yet. It's all so meaningful. So it was a really cool experience because once we started, before you get to the tree, you're driving through the national park and you start to see these sequoias. And as you're, as you're going up the mountain, you're like, where is, I don't see any of these trees. It's, you know, a lot of 
coniferous trees and spruces and things like that that you're used to seeing. And you're like, well, where are these sequoias? Maybe they're mixed in. I guess I'm not really noticing them. And then all of a sudden you start to see them and you're like, holy fuck. It's, it's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. And I decided to take my mom, who's in her early 70s, with CPD to walk down this hill to go see the tree and not consider the hike back up. So it took us about 15 minutes to get down to the tree and about three hours to get back up. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> we had to keep taking breaks. I was like, oh, God. I was, in my mind, I'm like, okay. As people were passing us and the light started to change because it was going from afternoon to evening, I was like, okay, can I carry her? Where's the closest ranger station? Will we be able to get her to a hospital? I literally was considering these things because she was turning purple and was just looking at me like I had planned this thing to kill her. <laughs> so the Congress Trail is the two-mile loop that's around the tree and it allows you to kind of like see the other trees around it and sort of get a feel for how these trees grow and how they work and how the whole ecosystem interconnectivity of the trees within that area works. It's just really, I, I highly recommend it. If anybody makes a trip to the West coast or if you live on the West coast, go to Sequoia national park, go see general Sherman's tree, the general Sherman tree and experience it for yourself. Just make sure your mom doesn't have a chronic lung disease <laughs> before you go. <laughs> okay. Her and I still laugh about that to this day. So what else did I do? I did Just for Laughs. I got into the Just for Laughs Festival this past year, doing the nasty show with Big J Okerson, Andrew Schultz, Bonnie McFarlane, CP, uh, hosted by Bobby Lee, and Jimmy Carr also was a part of it. It was one of the single most validating, amazing, and growing experiences I've had in my career to this date. You know, I got to bring my opener and comedy confidant and brother, Marty Caproni, with me as a guest. We got to hang out and cruise around the beautiful old Montreal and sort of immerse ourselves in that culture. And I got to, he got to see me perform on a huge stage in front of thousands of people, sold out show every single night for two weeks. I recorded a bunch of great podcast episodes with all those guests. One of my favorite episodes is the one with Bobby Lee, who opens up a lot about his experiences growing up. And, and also his father was sick at the time, and he's also lost his father. Um, and that was just a really connective moment for him and I. You know, it's just, it's funny, because him and I, we didn't really know each other. And to have him on the podcast and have him be so candid made me realize how much alike all comedians and if not all people are, where we all experience these horrible things and we learn how to cope. We either learn how to cope or we don't. And comedians just learn how to cope in a, in a way, uh, in a comedic way, in a way of looking at something and observing it and finding a way to make it relatable and connective to everybody. So I, he gave me a new found hope for coping and you know, just to be able to perform in that festival with amazing acts and to, to have Howie Mandel, who's one of the co-owners of the festival, he came to one of our shows. He was there. Jimmy Carr was there. Um, who else? Blake Griffin. All these people were in our green room. Um, Jim, uh, Jim Jeffries and, uh, God, every, everybody was there. It was amazing 
how he was there, um, it, how he's there with his production crew. And so we all got to perform for these amazing comedians, not only the audience, but the man who's now helping run the festival and is sort of brought this new life to it and all these amazing comedians who are part of it. And I had a great night and Howie came up to me afterwards. We left immediately afterwards to go see the roast battle, Jeff Ross's roast battle with uh, Brian Moses. And before the roast battle started, Howie Mandel comes up to me and he just was fangirling. And it was such an amazing experience for me because I have always loved Howie Mandel as a little girl, Bobby's world, um, Walk Like a Man, even Bobby World's, Bobby's World alone. I grew up on that shit. Loved him. Loved his stand-up. Uh, you know, I've known about him since I was like eight years old. And to have him come up to me at this festival that he owns and to tell me that I was the future of comedy, that he doesn't know how I don't have a special yet, that he wants to work with me in any capacity, any way that he can, was, I, I wanted to cry. And Marty was right there in, in, uh, Corey, who runs the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island, all of us, all of us were just like, uh, <laughs> and that was so amazing. And to be able to have the emotional capacity to allow myself to be in the moment and allow myself to feel that joy, I owe to allowing, to also allowing myself to feel the pain because I'm honoring the pain and it allows me to sort of compartmentalize it so that when I'm in this moment where Howie Mandel's fangirling over me, at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal, I'm able to be in that moment. I'm able to experience the correct emotions instead of these projected ones and not, you know, find something wrong with it. So that was, that was a game changer for me. And it was a game changer to be in the same room as Jimmy Carr and have him and I writing jokes about my dead dad together and to become friends with Jim Jeffries, to bond, you know, and hang out on the, the rooftops of a couple different bars with a bunch of comedians. And it, it, that was a life-changing event for me. So many amazing things happened through this year of trying to cope with grief. And I really attribute it to me being honorable of my emotions and honoring how I feel, you know? And it, it, it's come down to this moment where I'm not this person, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, to make resolutions but I think my resolution is and always has been to be in the moment and to honor whatever emotion I'm feeling. And it's allowed me to get this far in my career and also realize what I'm capable of. Because if I'm capable of losing the greatest man I've ever known and finding a new way to make him a continual part of my life while I become the greatest woman that I know, I think that's an achievement. And I don't think it's conceded to, to say that or to realize your potential. Stop making excuses. Go after it. Balls out. Unleash the beast and make 2020 your bitch. That's my fucking resolution. That's my New Year's and new life resolution. <laughs> I'm going to make 2020 my bitch. That's my goal. And... I want to thank you guys. I wanted to give you an old school episode where it's just me riffing, you know, smoking this joint with this busted ass lighter and, and just doing it like I did on the first episode. And I listened back to my first few episodes and realized like I miss doing that just rant 
top of the head rant, you know, that Bill Burr morning, Monday morning podcast rant. Not that I'm saying I'm as good as him. Fuck it. I'm as good as him. Okay. (laughs) Maybe not. Well, I'm trying. (laughs) I'm certainly as lovable. Okay. And and let me tell you, I can teach him a thing or two about dealing with his anger, but I think his anger fuels his comedy. So I think he's doing just fine. But I, I want to thank you guys. I know I don't know you all personally, but I, I know from meeting some of you that you feel like you know me personally because I've tried to keep this podcast as real as I can. I've tried to expose parts of my life that are very personal in, in the hopes of you being able to take some inspiration from it and maybe learn from what I did or didn't do. And it, so we can all become better people. I don't give a fuck how cheesy, how liberal, how snowflakey, whatever you want to call it, it sounds. That's, I just want us all to live a good life. It's a short one. It goes by fast. People you love are going to leave, maybe tomorrow, maybe tonight. And you've got to find a way to be in the moment and express your feelings and be honest with yourself so that you can live a full fucking life because you deserve it. You deserve it. We fucking deserve it and we can do it. We're going to make 2020 our bitch. So I thank you guys so much for your support. There's going to be a lot of great things and, and content and shows that I'm going to be releasing for you. This podcast is going to be evolving. We've got some new things coming in 2020 that I'm very excited about. And, you know, I've done some work with Spotify. So there's some things with Spotify that I'm excited about. My special my script. I thank you guys for supporting me and giving me the love and attention and all of the support that I need to be able to create and to continue creating. I can't do this without my friends, my family, and I certainly can't do it without you guys, my fans, my fans, my fans, Millie. Because without you guys, I would just be performing to my stuffed animals. That's no fun. <laughs> I'll fucking do it because I need the attention, but it's not nearly as fun as doing it for you guys. So I appreciate your support. I appreciate you coming back, checking out my stuff. I'm going to be releasing new things for you in 2020. So let's do this. Make 2020 your bitch. Meow. That's our childhood cat meowing to you from the wall to let you know to come get it. Come get it, 2020. Wow. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.